Welcome to our Cracked Rackets match of the day, a Patreon-only segment where I talk about the match. I am watching most closely on any given day in the tennis world. As promised, a two-part match of the day Sunday on our last show. I laid out my case for my picks for the matches of the day. Of course, it is a jam-packed day of action. Once again, on the women's side, you have seven of your eight top 16 seeds in the bottom half of the draw still alive. I laid out the case for why Muguruza versus Krejcikova is the match of the day on pod number one. I also promised I would get right into it here on pod number two. Now, of course, before I can, I quickly have to thank all of you Cracked Rackets Patreon subscribers, without whom I'd still be stuck at my day job. Dalton would have likely driven his wife Hannah insane at this point. Of course, Westoff would have probably cured cancer, so that one's on us. We do apologize, but sincerely, because of you all, we're able to channel our creative outputs into something we love so dearly. And again, hopefully provide you tennis fans with the sort of day-in, day-out coverage you have long deserved. So with that in mind, let's get into it. Men's matches of the day. I think it came down to two picks, Medvedev Evans or Tiafo FAA. I think Medvedev's going to roll over Dan Evans. He's looked that good. What does Evans do to hurt him? He's played two physical matches over these past two as well. But in Tiafo FAA, you get a cracked racket special. Those are two guys we have covered closely here since our founding in 2017. Of course, let's start with the 12th seeded FAA. He is on my list of guarantees. I have five guys, excuse me, I think are assured to end the 2020s with Grand Slam titles, Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Sinner, and Felix Ogier-Aliassime, who, of course, was a top-ranked junior in the world, who, of course, is on that exclusive list of challenger accomplishments, multiple titles before the age of 18. It's Richard Gasquet, the GOAT, four teenagers on the ATP Tour. You've got Rafa, you've got Djokovic, you've got Del Potro, you've got FAA, now you've actually got Carlos Alcaraz on that list. But when that's the group of people you're hanging out with, you probably have had a pretty special career up to this point. And of course, for FAA, 0-8 in ATP Finals. That's the number so many detractors turn to. I would point out of players born, 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 born hey, great shot, two hour, uh, 2,000 or later, it goes Korda Nakashima have two, FAA has four, uh, excuse me, Sinner has four, FAA has eight. Those are the four guys with multiple finals appearances. Again, I butchered that, so let me say it for you again. There are four guys born 2000 or later with multiple ATP title appearances. Korda and Nakashima have two. Sinner has four. FAA has eight. That group just feels about right. Those have been the four guys of, I call them the usurpers, because the next gen are the guys born 96 to 2000, the guys who are taking over for the lost gen, who do seem so well-suited, you know, the Berrettinis, Rublevs of the world, Casper Ruds, to now take over along with, obviously, the key three, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Zverev, take over the top of the men's game, establish that hierarchy. But you know who's going to question their dominance? The usurpers, the 2000s guys, the FAAs, the sinners, the Alcarazes of the world, the, you know, Kordas and Nakashimas who are in Brooksby's who are coming for the crown. And so that's why I call them the usurpers. And again, I think that's going to stick. I'm pretty proud of that one. I like that one. And FAA may be the head of those usurpers, the Robert Baratheon we need to get over the hump. But you look for Felix Ogier-Aliassime here in 2021. 
It's been a step forward for him. And again, he has truly found his rhythm since the start of the grass court season. You look over that period of time, final in Stuttgart got good wins. He hadn't played a grass court match since 2019, and you look for him in his career. Felix Ogier Aliasim, 18-6 and six in grass court matches. That's ridiculous considering, again, there was a year gap between when he was playing and getting these repetitions, but goes finals of Stuttgart before losing to Chilich. Semifinals in Halle beat Hercots, beat Federer, beat Giron before losing 7-6 in the third to the eventual champion Umber, who again he had beaten the week before. Then goes quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Beats Kyrgios, beats Imer, beats Zverev before losing in four sets. Respectful four-set loss to Berrettini. Now was a slow start for him switching surfaces. Lost three out of his four, uh, first four, and excuse me, four out of his first, uh, no, three out of his first four. Purcell at the Olympics. Beat Seppi before losing to Brooksby at the City Open, and Brooksby crushed him on that day. Then loses to Lajovic in Canada, but found his form in Cincinnati. Wins over Fucevic, Hachinov, Berrettini before a respectful throw, respectable and respectful, I suppose, because he's one of the kindest guys. He's always respectful, always had exceptional manners, but respectable three-set loss to Stefano Tsitsipas. You look for him here. Wins over Donskoy when he wasn't playing his best in round one, four sets, then crushes Zapata Morales in sets two and three, straight set win there. Earns a five-set win over RBA in round number three that he was in control of from start to finish, that he led by a break in that third set, wasn't able to close it out there, and then RBA, you know, takes set number four. But then Felix gets that early break in set five, doesn't get broken from there. The match was on his racket the entire time, and RBA plays such a physical game style, and he wants to bait you. And if you listen to our mini break, you heard me say this, but Felix had a big enough forehand, big enough serve, big enough weapons to take the bait and to excel with that bait, he said, all right, you're going to give me the down the line. I'm going to hit the ball by you. And God damn it, he hit the ball by him. And it was extraordinarily impressive for Felix. And you look for him here again uh, overall on the season, 31-18 and 18 overall. But you look for him since the start of June, which is, of course, the start of that grass court season, that first run in Stuttgart for him. Felix Ogier Aliasim, 17-7. and 7. Since the start of June, you look for him overall on the season, 19 and six against opponents ranked outside the top 50, 12 and 12 against top 50 opponents, but seven and four against the top 20 uh, and four and four against the top 10 wins over Zverev, Schwartzman, Federer on, on a grass court, Berrettini on a hard court as well. He now beats RBA here. So I suppose he will be a top 20 player. So he'll move to five and four against the top 10 and, you know, 13 and 12 against the top 50. But you look for Felix of late, again, he has come alive here. And you look at his numbers overall, he's made progress this season. 83.5% hold percentage. It's his fourth consecutive year of growth in ATP matches. It's also a career high for him by 2%. You look for him, that, by the way, ranks 23rd overall right now on the ATP Tour. You look for him, 22.7 break percentage. That's a career high for him by a percent and a, uh, by two and a half percent, excuse me. That number good for 32nd, which isn't great, but it's better for Felix Ogier Aliasim. And you look for him again now, the career splits at ATP level matches, 18 and six on grass courts. He's going to be elite on grass courts. His serve, his first forehand, the weight of his shot, his ability to move forward and find ways to get to the net. It's always going to work on a grass court. That feels like a lock for him moving forward. 
20 and 21 on clay courts is weird because it feels like the heaviness of his forehand and his ability to dictate the pace of play should work on a clay court. But 20 and 21 is notable. 55 and 43 on hard courts. That number obviously has gotten better of late. You look for him at the slams this season, and this is the big data point for Felix. Yes, he's 0-8 in his eight ATP finals, but he's also now on top of that made second weeks at three of four Grand Slams here this year. Did it in Australia, did it at Wimbledon, now does it at the U.S. Open. I know he hasn't gotten over that finish line yet in that match, in that ATP final, but he's now getting to second weeks, folks. The talent is winning out. He's beating who he's supposed to be, and the longer the match, the better, and you know, the more his dominant skill set benefits him This has been a year forward for Felix, and you look at him right now in the live ATP rankings. He's at a new career high of number 14 with this round of 16 appearance. You look for him in terms of total points accumulated. He's up to 12th this year. He's 11th if you take Rafa out of the race. Year-end finals very much in play for him now. There is a big gap between Sinner and 9th and, you know, Karatsev 10th, Felix 11th. He trails Sinner, who's in 9th right now, by about 500 points, trails Hercats, who's in eighth by about 800 points. But, you know, again, two more wins here, which is very, very possible. As you look at his draw, he would have, you know, beat Tiafo and then he'd play the winner of Alcaraz or Gojewicz. He gets two more wins under his belt. The year-end finals now become very much in play. Not the next-gen finals, the year-end finals for Felix Ogier-Aliassime. Again, he has been that good this season. Overall ELO ratings now, Felix up to number 21st overall. You look for him, 2021 specific results. He ranks 16th. Again, he's been, you know, prior to this year, he had cracked the top 30. and He was going to be seated at slams, but now he's made that next level. He's shown that extra degree of consistency going from winning one match every week to winning two matches every week or making that semifinal, final run. And while he hasn't gotten over that hump, he's gotten a lot closer this year. It's been an un- unequivocal step forward for the now 21-year-old Canadian 12 seed into his first uh, or into the fourth round here at the U.S. Open, but he's going to get a prime time performer, a guy who, by the way, has been in the U.S. Open fourth round before just last season in Francis Tiafa, who delivered perhaps the win of the tournament in his five-set third round victory over Andre Rublev. And while Francis Tiafo has been a top 30 player before, the 23-year-old cracked the top 30 in February of 2019. That was on the back of a quarterfinal in Australia and a final he had on his resume, or excuse me, a title he had won 2018 in Delray Beach. He is so much better now than he was then even if his ranking trails a little bit. You look for Francis Tiafo here this season. Career highs for him at the ATP level in hold percentage. He's at 81.5. That's 2% up his career, uh, 2.1% above his career average break percentage. That forehand last night, it looked not like a liability like it was early in his career. It was the most dominant shot on the court when he was hitting it cleanly. 20% break percentage. That's up 1.6 over his career average. First serve win percentage, 71.3 above his career average second serve win percentage 54.1 that's a career high and above his career average he's just gotten a little bit better at everything by the math and you look for Francis here this season 30 and 21 overall 17 and 11 on hard courts you look for him in ATP level matches specifically he's 23 and 18 you look for him he's made you know quarterfinals in Delray Beach this year quarterfinal at Queens Club quarterfinal Winston-Salem round of 16 now here at the U.S. Open, 
I mean, you look for him perhaps most impressively in the 18 ATP uh, level uh, events, excuse me, 19 ATP level events he's played this season. He's lost first round exactly three times. Murray River, uh, four times, excuse me. Murray River Open, so the warm-up in Australia, and that was a funky format for everyone. The two weeks quarantine, he loses three sets in Mute, whatever. Uh, excuse me, in uh, in Esterol, Clay Courts, he loses to Kevin Anderson, 4-6-7-6-7-6. That's a pick em. East uh, Roland Garros, he loses five sets to Stevie Johnson, was down two sets to Love, ends up losing in five, was a good effort from him. You know, he loses round of 32 in Eastbourne. Fine, okay, I, so excuse me, five first-round losses. He then loses first-round DC to a guy by the name of Jensen Brooksby, who, by the way, still alive in the round of 16 at the U.S. Open. I don't think anyone would qualify that as a bad loss. You know, again, in 19 total events at the ATP level, he's lost first round in five. That's the consistency of a top 50 player. And you look for Francis here this season, 24 and 13 against players ranked outside the top 50. He's six and eight against players in the top 50, three and six against the top 20, three and four though against the top 10. And look, he's beaten Tsitsipas now at, at, the, uh, at Wimbledon, excuse me. He's beaten Rublev at the U.S. Open, you look earlier in his career for Tiafa when he made that quarterfinal run at the Australian Open, he beat fifth-seeded Kevin Anderson, 20th-seeded Grigor Dimitrov. In the biggest moments, Francis Tiafo brings his best tennis. You are not going to find a single person who does a better job of embracing the crowd than Francis. Uh, and again, last night, that crowd propelled him to victory in that five-set win over Rublev. And Look, his serve, he's always flashed upside on the serve to be a top 20, you know, sort of server on the ATP Tour. That's the sort of pop he can get into the ball. His creativity, his ability to play serve and volley tennis, his ability to play plus one tennis, whether it's as a slice, a drop shot, just his ability to follow that ball into the net and his feel at the net. Not only is he, you know, top 10 sort of feel in terms of the craft and short angle volleys and the drop volleys, but he also knows exactly where to go, what to do. He can drive and stick the first volley and you know, again, the backhand slice is it disrupts opponent's rhythm, but I, he's, his backhand has always been the more solid of the two sides. But most impressively, he's found rhythm on the forehand return. He puts more forehand returns in play now. And when you give him a sitter on that forehand side, the way he rips into it, that's lights out. I mean, he was out hitting Rublev forehand to forehand at times last night, and Andre Rublev has arguably the heaviest and hardest forehand on the ATP tour. Tiafo just... The, his ability last night to recognize, well, I'm not winning baseline rallies, so I need to get to the net as quickly as possible. And even if it's serving and volleying or awkward approach shots, I am going after my forehand and I'm getting to the net. I'm forcing Rublev into the outer thirds because if I don't, I'm definitely losing. And his ability to recognize that, his ability to recognize the frustration of Rublev that the crowd was clapping after every error. And so Tiafa wanted to get the crowd engaged with him. He was spectacular. And that's how he earned that victory. And for him, you know, that he made his second round win over Guido Pea look so routine and that he beat close friend Chris Eubanks four sets in the first round. Those are wins Tiafo in the past would have struggled with. And he didn't struggle in those matches. He brought his best performance to get to the primetime affairs where he beats Rublev. 
he beats FA, and you look for Tiafo now in his career. Interesting that he's still below 500 in ATP level matches, and that is because he had so much success so early in his career. But you look for him in ATP level matches this season again, 23 and 18. How does that compare to early in his career? Well, he was seven and 17 in 2017, 28 and 26 in 2018. Again, that was the first breakthrough, but it just felt a little flukish. 21 and 25 in 2019, nine and 11 last year. This 23 and 18 just feels like the proper development. And it took a little longer than we expected because he was the youngest junior ownership champion ever and, you know, was a Kalamazoo champion and was won all these challengers and had this big breakthrough when he was 17, 18 years old. But now we know. Three out of five sets, Francis Tiafo in his career, 25 and 24. Do you look at the past couple of slams? Again, round of 16 at the U.S. Open. Four set close loss to Djokovic in Australia this season. Third round Wimbledon where he beats Pass. Now fourth round here at the U.S. Open. Francis Tiafo can play, folks. You look for him in the live rankings now. Tiafo up to number 52. You look for him, though, in the race to the year-end finals. He's accumulated the 35th most points here this season. That's more accurate. He has been a top 50 player, which was where he was, but then he fell off, and we were wondering, does he have the consistency to get back there? The answer is an unequivocal yes. His game works across surfaces, the creativity, the athleticism. Francis Tiafo has brought his best stuff here in 2021, and that's what makes this match so fascinating. And of course, let's turn now to our friends over at Tennis Abstract who have the forecast for this match. They've run the numbers. They give Francis Tiafo a 41.7% chance of pulling off the upset tomorrow. Felix at 58.3. You look at our friends over at DraftKings. Felix minus 190 favorite tomorrow. Tiafo a plus 155. Again, it, it's essentially a pick 'em. You're within the 60 40 margin. You're within minus 200 as a favorite. Odds makers are tentative to brand anyone serious here because then people would rush to the Tiafo underdog. And it is worth noting they both just played physical five set matches. But let's start with that part in terms of my keys to the match. I think Francis is going to be more worn down than Felix is. And I know you'd say, well, level of competition, you know, again, Tiafo just had to deal for four and a half hours with the heaviness of the Andre Rublev forehand. And just, again, what that does to your legs, your body having to chase that ball down, that's going to wear you down. Of course, he also just mentally drained, staying locked in from start to finish, saying, I got to be aggressive. You got to stay focused. There can be no lapses in concentration because when there were, you know, he broke a couple of times and Rublev broke him right back. And so, you know, he had to keep his energy level so high to stay engaged with the crowd who then allowed, you know, subsequently pumped up his energy levels. That's what Tiafa was dealing with. Uh, in his five-set match. On the flip side, respectfully, you know, it was a mental and physical drain. For Felix, I do think it was physical, but Felix played Felix tennis in that match. And again, he was up a break in the third set. And once he got that break in the fifth, he didn't let up. Yes, from a concentration standpoint, he had to up his level in sets four and five. And certainly there were some nerves down the home stretch of that match, the adrenaline rush he had to deal with, but he was in control from the start. And there's a difference from being in control and having to chase for four and a half hours. And that's what Francis had to do. He had to chase because he had to chase that level that Rublev constantly hits. Felix was dictating to RBA. 
I just think there's more of a letdown for Tiafo coming into this match than Felix. That's part number one. Part number two is, of course, the analytics. Felix has a better hold percentage than Tiafo this season. Felix at 83.5. Francis here this season uh, at 81.5. Felix has a higher break percentage, 22.7. Felix uh, Tiafo's at 20%. Felix has the sort of first serve that can still give the Tiafo forehand troubles. He's going to have to slice a lot of forehand chip returns when Felix finds that wing. And when he does that, Felix gets to go after first forehands. And Felix has the sort of pace heaviness to that first forehand that will give the Tiafo forehand wing problems. And, you know, again, backhand to backhand. Yes, I think Tiafo's probably got the more solid backhand wing, but Felix can now match him in terms of the pace on that side. I think Felix, well, they can both rip through the ball cross court off of that backhand wing, which is what makes them both special. Now, Tiafo's got more creativity, more off speed, you know, the slices, the fluidity in the outer thirds, the improvisational skills you give the check mark to Tiafo. The skills at the net, you give the feel edge to Tiafo, but the power edge, the efficiency, you give to Felix. And I honestly think in terms of where to go, what to do, you, you call them neutral. Felix Ojir Aliasim is plenty – people don't talk enough about how good Felix is at the net. And so, again, I just think this is another match on Felix's racket. And with all other things equal, because they did both just play five setters, although crowd advantage – Here's the thing. The crowd is going to love Tiafo, but they're not going to cheer against Felix because Felix is not a villain under any circumstance. People love Felix Ogier Aliassime, even an American crowd against the Canadian uh, or cheering on a fellow American against the Canadian. I don't think that matters. Like I, I just – how can you hate Felix? He's – literally there's always a smile on him. He's seemingly the sweetest kid in the world, uh, young man, excuse me, in the world. So I don't think they're going to turn on him the way they felt comfortable turning on Rublev, the way they're going to turn on Djokovic in the Brooksby match. Boy, is that – sneak peek. That will probably be our match of the day tomorrow. But, you know, again, in terms of a prediction – I'm leaning Felix. I just think we've seen it from him of late. He made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, made the fourth round at the Australian Open. Tiafo, you know, has made for, you know, he he's had some success as well, but I just think, you know, I just think Felix this match is on his racket. His serve, his forehand, the biggest weapons on the court. Give me Felix in four sets. I think the first two in particular are tight. I think Francis comes out firing and he probably takes that first set 7-5. I think Felix then comes back 6-4 second set, and it comes down to a third set breaker, which I think goes the way of Felix because of the serve, because of the forehand. I think Felix then takes a 6-2 fourth set. Give me Felix to advance in four, but again, this is a super, super fun nightcap. This match, 7 p.m. Arthur Ashe Stadium. Following it is, I believe, the Muguruza-Krechikova battle, so we're set. It's going to be a fun day of tennis, folks. Of course, recaps, mini break content, crackrackets.com. You all know that. And of course, those websites, those podcasts would not exist without your continued support. So again, on behalf of all of us here at CR, a huge thank you for what you do. A huge thank you again to super producer Daniel Westoff, who has that fuck of an editing job to do day in, day out. But with that said, your match of the day, Felix Ogierali, a senior 12th seed, taking on Francis Tiafo, 7 p.m. Arthur Ashe Stadium. We hope you enjoy, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.